Well, my name is Joel Tillis, and you are listening to The Soul Trap. Maybe not a full episode here, but just an ad-lib opportunity for me to share some of my thoughts with you about a particular subject that was brought up to me by one of the Soul Trap listeners, and I thought, you know what, maybe I can share a few thoughts, and I don't know that I will will be able to fully develop these ideas, but, you know, I thought it would be a good topic for me to talk with you about. And I'll be honest with you, I'm interested via, you know, messages to the the Soul Trap Facebook or email. I'm interested in your take on uh, on this subject as well, because it is a a hard one maybe to get our our minds around. Uh, I had Aaron sent me a, a listener to the Soul Trap. He sent me a message. He said, good evening, Pastor. I'm curious as to your thoughts on Trump's presidency so far. Do you have a podcast in the future on your thoughts regarding this? Have we been given a period of grace by God, considering the breakneck speed we appear to be on with Obama slash Clinton course? Are we being duped? Would love to hear your current thoughts. Thanks for the podcast and the time uh, that you put into it. And I appreciate Aaron taking the time to send me that message. And I think he's on to something. Uh, and I thought maybe I'd take a few minutes and just share some of my thoughts with you. And again, forgive me, uh, because these are not necessarily fully developed out. And maybe in the near future, I will actually put a full podcast uh, uh, into this subject. But maybe you're riding in the car. I don't know. Maybe it's a Saturday when you're listening to this and you're doing work in the garage or you got your earbuds in, you're mowing the lawn. I don't know. Maybe you're cleaning the house or Uh, doing something. You've got me on the background. So let's just pretend you and me for a few minutes, we're sitting at the table and uh, just chatting. And let me start off by saying, I don't know what to think. Now, that's an odd thing coming from somebody like me who has an opinion on just about everything. And usually, if I'm honest, and I'm working on it, but if I'm honest, I think my opinion's right. But in this particular instance, it's an odd situation. You know, what is happening? I mean, from a big point of view, you can't get around the reality that the Bible is very clear that all nations that turn their back on God will be turned into hell. Romans 1.18, very, very clear. The wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. And I don't know, outside of possibly the nation of of England uh, currently, certainly Germany has experienced it under Hitler, I don't know that there's any other country outside of Israel and possibly England that has been exposed to any more truth than the United States of America. Yet we hold that truth in unrighteousness, and yet, for the time being, God has seen fit not to uh, release his judgment. As a dispensational pre-tribulation rapturist, I believe that the rapture of the New Testament church will take place. But I do not believe that the rapture excludes us from trials. And I certainly do not believe that the rapture excludes the New Testament church from going through trials uh, and through great uh, dark hours before the coming of the Lord. For some reason, we tend to look at Christianity through the lens of Americans, what would best suit America, and that's not the way that it works. I don't know, let me, let me say it this way, I can promise you without a doubt 
that morally and spiritually America is not in a better place today than she was under Barack Obama. I would even maybe say, as much as I don't want to say this, as much as it might ruffle some of your feathers, I would even say probably that Donald Trump, for the soul of America, has been bad. You see, let me, let me put it in terms like this. For several years when I went to the doctor, my wife would push me to go to the doctor, uh, they would do the blood workup, and I was always borderline, borderline diabetic. You're not there yet, but you're borderline. But my body was not healthy. And then I had a bout of gout. I'll never forget that. I was, I think, 40, 41. I'm 42 or 43, somewhere in there now. But I was 40, 41, and I went and I had this awful pain in my toe. And I had convinced myself that somehow or another God was putting me through a trial and I had toe cancer. And oh, the great trial and the great story of Pastor Tillis overcoming toe cancer and preaching the gospel. And the doctor looked at me and said, you've got gout. And I said, I can't have gout. There's no way I can have gout. And he goes, yeah, you can. You're in your 40s. You're fat. You're not eating right. You've got gout. Now, that's not exactly how he said it. That's what I heard. And that's what the summation of the whole thing was. It changed my eating. I'm by no means a vegan or vegetarian or a bastion of health. But I eat better today. I exercise better. I take care of myself. You know why? Because I went through some brutal pain. And then one day, uh, before I started changing the way I eat, I did a blood test. And they came back and said, hey, you're not borderline anymore, bub. Um, You've got diabetes, blood sugar diabetes. See, it was the pain that caused the change. I think we were beginning to feel a little bit of pain under Obama, but I don't think we felt enough pain for the soul of this nation to be changed, if indeed it can be. I don't think America has felt, the American Christian has felt enough pain. Now, I'm going to say some things, and and it might bug some of you, but I'm just being honest with you. I was there on 9-12 years ago when, when... Uh, we marched the Tea Party, big Tea Party march on Washington under Obama. I was there. My dad and I went to Washington. I was there with other preachers, stood holding my Bible. Uh, There was probably close to a million people there. It was an amazing thing. But why didn't we do that for abortion? Why didn't we do that for, oh, I don't know, prayer in school? Why, Why did we do that then? Do you know what the whole Tea Party movement was about? It was about our money. We didn't like this socialist, Marxist, communist, the taxes, the taxation on our insurance, and we marched on Washington. Was it to take back our country for God? No, it was leave my money alone. Christians, more concerned about taxation and Obama than they were the brutal murder of millions of unborn children. You see, I don't think we've really experienced enough pain yet to grasp how morally corrupt that we are. We are like the Laodicean church. We we don't truly see how corrupt we are. 
how selfish we are. And I include myself in that. I'm not talking at you as if I'm on some high, mighty, um, you know, tower somewhere, ivory tower. We're all like that. But it's prolific. First Baptist Church in our town. Beautiful building, a rotunda, beautiful building. Then we need a welcome center. Four to five million dollars they're spending on a new welcome center. There's a church, huge mega church, almost $20 million in the building, Bayside, big, huge community church, $20 million for a building. While people are going hungry, there are inner city churches. If I went to them, listen, I'm a little nobody here on the west coast of Florida. We're trying to start two churches. We got one in Tampa and it's not quite getting off the ground. We got one in Arcadia. I wonder if instead of building a $20 million building or a $4 million welcome center, what if you gave us a couple hundred thousand dollars and we went to the inner city in Tampa and instead of screaming at black people for all of the ills in the black community, which you've heard my podcasts, you know where I stand on that garbage. But instead of screaming at them, what if we went in there and started 10, 15, 20 churches in the inner city? Well, no, we got to have a $4 million building. So I know that I'm taking a circuitous route here, but, you know, everybody's like, whew, <laughs> we dodged a bullet with Hillary Clinton. Maybe we dodged a bullet. Maybe we dodged a revival. Maybe we dodged a revival. You see, the children of Israel had to go through three and a half years of no water before Elijah could get up on Mount Carmel and preach the fire of God, pray the fire of God down. And the water of God in. But they weren't prepared for that until they had three and a half years. It took 450 years for the nation of Israel to be prepped for Moses to come along and say, let my people go. You see, it, it takes pain often for human nature to change. And certainly so in the spiritual realm. And I'm not sure if when it comes to the moral and spiritual revival of our nation... What we did was just inoculate ourselves one more time against what is really needed. Listen, beloved, our churches are not seeing revival. The preachers that you hear on the radio, I'm not picking on them, but there is few and far between of the prophetic voices. Our churches are half empty. The buildings are ornate. You know, even in, in our church, it's an ongoing battle in my church. And again, we're, we're, we're nobody here on the, on the, on the coast of Florida. I'm not, I'm not some big name preacher, but I've had it all the time. People come in, preacher, we need a new piano. Well, the, the grand piano we got is pretty nice. We bought it for five grand about six, seven years ago. No, 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 no. We need to upgrade. That one's not good anymore. Well, why? Well, we just need to upgrade. Well, what kind of upgrade do you need? Well, we need a $15,000 piano. What? 15 grand for a piano? I mean, I can remember going with my brother to Romania and being on the side of a hill with a gypsy camp, singing, isn't the love of Jesus something wonderful? And they were playing a little Walmart keyboard. I've never heard sound so beautiful as that in all of my life. I'm not against it if you have a twenty, twenty-five thousand, fifteen thousand dollar $25,000, But do you see what I'm getting at? Hey, uh, preacher, we need a new sound system. How much is it? Oh, we got to upgrade. We need $30,000. We need lights. We need screens. We need this. We need that. Wow, okay, I guess we do, but I don't think we do. I don't think that the American Christian has an idea of what's going on. I think we are anesthetized. I think we we have a whole lot of anesthesia that is numbing us to the butchering of our faith that has taken place. 
And I believe to some degree Donald Trump has been that way. We were so scared of losing an artificial construct that never existed in the first place. Now, I want to remind you that at the same time simultaneously that Ronald Reagan, who apparently stands beside Moses and Elijah in most conservative Christians' mindset, while he was single-handedly, without the help of God apparently, delivering us from the USSR, it was in the 80s, the me generation, where this nation began to go downhill. I want to remind you that while George W., the great Christian, supposedly, was taking us off to war in Afghanistan and Iraq without any constitutional declaration of war, civil uh, 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 homosexuals and drugs and all of the rot and rape and plunder that you see exploded. We have a tendency to look at Obama as if Obama, the last eight years of Obama or Clinton, but beloved, there was just as much sin and if not more under Reagan and Bush and then his other son, Bush. So you have to be very careful when you say, what's good for our country? That, as a Christian, you have to hold certain lines. What's good for our country might not be good for the church. I remember years ago, my brother allowed me to go, took me on a trip with him and his, his pastor friends. And I remember a great mentor of his, and I, I wish I had more time to be around the man, Brother Bill Booyer. I remember when I went over to Romania, I had never been on a mission trip before, but I had heard about Romania. I had read the book, Tortured for Christ. I was very, very excited to go over there. And I could tell that he could tell about halfway through, I was, I was very disillusioned. We were on the train coming back, and I remember... In, in the gracious way that he was, this man, Brother Bill Booyer, the pastor, he pulled me off to the side and said, Joel, I, I can see you kind of bother you. You want to talk a little bit? And I said, well, I, said, I don't know. I, maybe my expectations were so, were, I don't know, out of sorts. But, and before I could finish the sentence, he said, I know what you're, what you're thinking. He said, you're wondering where all those spiritual giants are, aren't you? He was right. Because when I was over there, the church was consumed over there with materialism screens. They didn't even preach in the church room. They didn't even preach behind the pulpit anymore. This great, beautiful church had a great big wood pulpit, but now they pulled the preacher out of the pulpit and put him behind a lectern. And I said, yes, where, where are all the giants? And he goes, you know, what happened to Romania? At one time during the Cold War, they would have 500 people meeting at 5 a.m. in the morning, praying for God's revival and power, and souls were saved underground. And I said, well, what happened? He said they got their freedom. They got their money. It's true. Sometimes what's good for a country is not always good for Christianity. I hate to break that to the red, white, and blue crowd, but if I were to start by just chatting with you about what I think Trump has done, in some ways I'm very happy, but in some ways I'm very concerned because what is good for America may not always be good for the church for the soul, for the spirit. And that's very something that, that, that requires a little bit of maturity in our thinking, but I think it's true nonetheless. Now, from maybe more of a political standpoint, are there certain things that, that you can say are good? What do you like? Tell us. What, what do you think is good? 
Well, some people would say that he has actually, for instance, someone said, well, he enforced President Barack Obama's red line against Syria and the use of chemical weapons. That seems to be a list that, that tops. I don't think that that's a good list. If I were going to start, I would say, number one, we at least have a man. Now, is he a foul-mouthed man? Yes. Is he a fornicator? Absolutely. Is he an egomaniac? Absolutely. But at least he doesn't wear mom shorts, uh, mom jeans, and a helmet when he rides a bike like Barack Obama. At least he's a man. And I'm so tired of, of you know, <laughs> I'm so tired of Hunger Games, you know, Katniss Everdeen saving the day while her boyfriend, PETA, you know, cowers in the corner. I'm so tired of Wonder Woman having to come in and save Batman. Men are men, and they're pigs, and they always have been, and I'm not justifying his behavior, but at least we got a man's man in there. I really do honestly believe that uh, that Donald Trump believes a lot of his red-blooded, meat-eating, gun-toting, apple pie, America first, uh, you know, hyperbole, and I like the fact that he's a man's man. Um I think that he has taken a surprisingly tough line with Russia. A lot of people don't realize it, but uh, when it comes to the Ukraine, Poland's border, uh, some of the intermediate nuclear forces, treaty issues that have come up, things that most people don't recognize, I think he's taken a tough line with, with Russia and yet a balanced line. I like the fact that he has withdrawn from the Paris Climate Agreement. Everybody thought, oh my goodness, you know, George W. Bush pulled out of the Kyoto Treaty, and that was good, but the Paris Climate Agreement was even worse, and so that was good. I also like that he's been improving the Keystone Pipeline and opening up the Arctic National Wildlife Refuge for exploration. So those are things that help the energy of the United States of America. Uh, I like the fact that he got the, the NATO allies to start kicking in money, about $12 million more toward the collective security. Um, Bush and Obama and everybody else just kind of rolled over, but uh, NATO needs to kick in, and he's done that. I wish he would pack the UN up and send them somewhere, let them go over to Brussels or something like that, but be that as it may. Um, he has given a green light to our special operations units, and they are they are inflicting a lot of pain on ISIS. They're inflicting a lot of pain over there. I don't know that we should be over there, but I like a man that at least keeps his word. One of the things I'm very, very happy about is that he has admitted he was wrong on Afghanistan, admitted he is wrong on Iraq, and has systematically begun to reverse and to withdraw. Um, you know, I think that's a good thing, and that's important there. Um, I wish he would do it more, but nonetheless. He's also been involved in the tax and regulatory reform, and I like that. That, I think, to some degree has unleashed economic growth. He's installing conservative judges, and I don't think that he's done one yet that I, I would not disagree with. I like the fact that he's gone after immigration. I believe that we should have strong borders, and I really enjoy that. Um, I don't think Christians should stop at that. I think we should be involved in evangelism, but but I do like that, and I do think that the biblical right of sovereignty of a nation is there. Um, I like his attempt. I don't think, I think he got shut down. I don't think it was handled well, but I like his attempt at least of trying to stop Obamacare. I think that's in the pipeline now and it's not going to be changed. But above all, I would have to say that I love the fact that he kept his word and moved the, uh, moved the embassy uh, to Jerusalem. Uh, Jerusalem, the children of Israel, God's people, they are 
enemies of the cross of Christ, but they are nonetheless elect according to God as his chosen people here on this earth. And I believe that as Christians, we need to hold those two in in tension. We need to understand that they are not good spiritual people. They are enemies of the cross of Christ, and they, they still do bear the covenant of Abraham, Genesis chapter 12. Him moving the uh, embassy over to Jerusalem, I think was a great thing. So to be honest with you, if you wanted to get right down to it, I, I think that there's there's good and bad from a from a political standpoint. I think he doesn't runs his mouth too much, but hey, the press has had their way for so long. Say what you're going to say, man. I mean, nobody's listening to you anyway. The proof's in the pudding. I love the little phrase, uh, you know, talkers talk, builders build. And uh, one of the things about Trump is that he talks, but he builds. And you have to give credit where credit is due. A lot has been done. And when the guy says he's going to do something, he's going to do something. That being said, is it good for Christianity in America? Is revival coming to America? No. Just because you build a wall, lower taxes, overturn Obamacare, put good judges in the court. All of that stuff has nothing to do with the spiritual nature of America. I think all we've done is anesthetize ourselves to the real problems that are facing us in the United States of America. But politically, man, he sure is a heck of a lot better than Hillary Clinton. I don't want that old bag to get into office. I don't want Bernie Sanders. I don't want some uh, you know, wicked guy that believes in abortion and anti-God and anti-Israel and pro-homosexual and all that. I don't want that in office at all. So there is a tension there. And I guess I would close this little ad-lib comment by saying um, that as Christians, we need to be able to do that. We need to be able to hold two challenging ideas, competing ideas. Is Trump good for the country? Mm, maybe. Is Trump good for Christianity? Mm, maybe not.